0: Welcome to the Aussie Racing edition of the Breakdown Podcast, breaking down the issues in cycling with journalist Jamie Finch Penninger, specialised rider Kate Perry, and Avanti ISO Ways Neil Vanderplug.
1: Okay, yes, welcome to the Breakdown Podcast, and as always, I am joined by Kate Perry from Specialized Women's Racing, and Neil Vanderploeg from Avanti Ice Away Sports. G'day, guys. Hello. Good morning. Why don't we just say where we're all at at the moment, because it's been a bit hectic in the past week or so. Um, we've all just finished nationals, and it's been you know, an active time for some of us. So I'm in Adelaide at the moment, carrying the Tour Down Under, and about to go off to one of the Santos Women's Tour stages. Um Kate, you're, you're not participating in the Santos Women's Tour um, this year?
2: No, no. I'm currently uh, in Melbourne, although I am flying to Adelaide later this afternoon for our uh, specialised women's racing team launch, which we'll be having tomorrow. Uh, I think, yeah, between stages one and two, so tomorrow morning. But, um, yeah, no racing for me this week. I am pretty much cooped up here in Melbourne working at the Australian Open, which is what uh, normally takes up most of my January each year. I guess, yeah, the perks of trying to juggle cycling and uh, professional life as well. So, yeah, January sees me uh, in front of Centre Court as opposed to racing up and down the Adelaide Hills.
1: Do we get to see any of you on TV if if you tune into the tennis? Or?
2: Oh, no, I'm, I'm pretty much all behind the scenes. So if you see me, normally that means that something's going wrong. So hopefully I'm able to fly under the radar. <laughs>
1: Okay, good, and I suppose congratulations are in order after your fourth in the TT. That was a great performance behind some of the best TTers in the world.
2: Yeah, thank you. It was a, a very uh, welcome result. Uh, something I've worked hard towards, and you know, obviously a TT's on the day. You, you can have the best ride of your life, and it just comes down to to who else is who else is riding well. And I was, uh, yeah, very fortunate that I did have a dream run and. To finish just shy of a podium filled with women that race professionally is a, a huge achievement, and I was still pinching myself come Friday morning. That's for sure.
1: Oh, Good. and uh, Neil, your your nationals campaign wasn't as successful, well, short lived. I think is a better <laughs> better way to put it. <laughs> after you, yeah. After you ran into, well, or Graham Brown ran into you. How, um, how diplomatic me. are we being?
0: Oh, look, it was yeah, it was. Uh, it, it went a little further than the collision i uh, i started the road race uh and that was definitely a little more short-lived than i was hoping uh only 15 people finished the race but uh yeah i didn't get didn't get too far into the back end of the race but it was uh, a really tough event and uh yeah just didn't have didn't have a good day unfortunately so uh yeah i'm back in albury and uh also not racing uh not racing until a couple of weeks time yeah a bit of a Quick time to uh, just sort of recoup before the uh, the next races of the summer, the Sun Tour and Cadel Evans race. Uh, just lying low for the moment. For those of you that don't
1: know, um, Neil was selected for the UniSA team for the Tour Down Under, but because of you know sickness and the crash, um, led to a bit of lack of form for Neil. So he opted to pull out
0: and and give it give up his spot very nobly, may may I say, Neil? Yep, thanks, Jamie. Yeah, look, I'm it was a bit of a <laughs> tough call because um, the thing was. Uh, yeah, as you probably understand, um, it's a world tour event. The two are down under, and the UniSA team is, there's only very few spots, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of talent and depth um, sort of competing for those spots. So I think if you if you choose to go, if you're selected and you go, you sort of have a bit of a responsibility to you know to the event and to pretty much everyone else um, that you you're going to actually go well and. I wasn't actually one hundred percent sure that I didn't have good form, but unfortunately because we don't have that much racing at the moment, I've put in the work before nationals, but because of the crash in the crit and then a little bit of illness in the road race and and having a fairly disappointing race there. I sort of wasn't really ready to uh, to sort of take that spot up and risk just going there and, you know, taking the spot up and just sort of creeping around and and you know, not doing very well and getting dropped. Because the other thing is the the tour down under is it's not at all an easy tour. Definitely this year as well. It's very hilly. Like if you look at every stage, there's almost it, it's climbs often out of Adelaide um, straight up into those Adelaide hills. So like yeah, it's it's very tough. And I think it's not uh, it's not a race you want to go to if you're if you're not going so well. So without a without a really strong showing to sort of prove to myself that I could go there and be competitive, I thought. It's uh yeah probably a good thing to give it up to someone who who definitely is going well so well I think I think we can all applaud
1: selflessness in giving up the spot because it's a big it's a big stage to be a part of and can really put you in the world you know in the sight of world tour teams
0: yeah it can but I guess if I was going pretty average it uh it puts you in the sight of world tour teams potentially getting dropped so it's uh you know there's it's also partly just for myself like <laughs> oh well, you, you didn't have to say that, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I may not have been dropped. Like I might have done very well, but like it's it wasn't a risk I was willing to sort of take.
1: Okay. Well, we'll move on to. Uh, I think I think I'm going to call this segment Riders' Eye View. So you guys take us inside the take us inside the race and the races of the Nationals and. Tell us what it was like inside the Peloton. So I think we'll start off with Kate with the women's TT. I mean, that course, not an easy pretty, one. How do, you, how do you go? Pretty about
0: small it Peloton there in the TT. Well, <laughs> just, yeah,
1: just no following
2: wheels really in that one. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's definitely a, a challenging course. Uh, you know, we were very fortunate that we had almost perfect conditions. Whilst it was windy, it wasn't cold, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't wet, it was, um, yeah, a really good, good day for us. Um, we obviously, we had a headwind on the way out there and then it was a, a tailwind on the way back. And I think, yeah, most most people going into the TT, like I've said before, you know, they come prepared, they know what they're up for, they know what equipment they're running, they know exactly what they need to do. So in terms of, I guess factors, unknown factors, there's not many there. At the end of the day, it's, you know, we, we saw a podium filled with people that we, with all the favourites that we thought were going to get up, um, you know, Catch and Garfoot's obviously one of the best TTs that we have. And, you know, she displayed again that she is, you know, in great form. She she carries great form. She rides a, a perfect race almost. And, you know, Shara Gillow also had a really good ride, but yeah, the TT, it wasn't really, I guess, there were no real surprises in, in what happened. But yeah, it sort of, I guess, confirmed all our beliefs in, in an Olympic year who's looking good.
1: Neil, we'll, we'll get you to go through the men's crit for us. Um, It was a win for Caleb Ewan, you know, again, he's making a habit of this. And then Brenton Jones in second, again, making a habit of coming second, unfortunately. And your teammate, <laughs> Anthony Giacoppo in third.
0: Yeah, I suppose if you just had a look at the results, you'd say, oh, yep, pretty uh pretty played out uh, just like you'd expect. But yeah, Caleb was obviously uh, going really well in, in those criteriums. He showed that at the Bay Crits and yeah, BJ showed that he was probably going well but not quite as good as Caleb and uh, yeah, Edge they they took a, a pretty oh, I think it was maybe five or six riders into the crit so they they fairly, well they, they very much just controlled the race from start to finish more or less. Nothing really got too much. I remember uh, Phil Liggett's commentary was sort of going through my head during that race, how he was talking about the Sky team back when Wigo won it in two thousand and twelve, how they're just can't remember the exact words, something about how they're just asphyxiating the field. Yeah, it was very sort of strong display by all those green edge riders. A lot of a lot of guys were really trying to sort of race it aggressively and, and get a move away because uh, I think as we said, that crick course it, it can be won by a break and it, it often it often has been. So a lot of people were really trying to force the issue, but Green Edge were very strong and got it all back together for the bunch sprint. Yeah, they sort of nailed the last corner from what I understand, and uh, Edmondson did a really good lead out, and uh, Caleb won it fairly easily in the end. It was a bit of a, as as it normally is for the bunch sprint, it was pretty messy going into that last corner. Um, a lot of people, a lot of teams really trying to make that sort of final move before the corner. and. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of a crash, unfortunately involving me. I sort of uh, collided with Graham Brown, which is uh, yeah, it's never a, he's he's not the person you want to sort of run into. And uh, yeah, I came down, so uh, it was a bit unfortunate for myself. But uh, yeah, AJ had a had a good sprint still and uh, managed to get third.
1: Okay, good. and uh, I suppose we'll move on to the other events you guys competed in, the men's and women's road race. Uh, Kate, we'll go back to you for the women's. Uh, it was it was a quieter start to to the women's than we've experienced in the past, with only that two person break going away, and it wasn't super hard behind. I know you took a lot of I know you took a lot of responsibility yeah, yeah. in pushing the pace.
2: You know, as as usual, it's a race of attrition, and um, you know, apart from Orica, there was no real standout uh, strong teams, I guess you would say. So at the end, a lot of people go into that race wanting to, to do their best to conserve as much energy, you know, so that when Orica do put the hammer down or decide however they are gonna race it that you're able to to respond to those attacks. And, you know, we saw a few people trying to get away, um, before Sarah Roy got away with Louisa. Louisa. So big, sorry, I should say. Yeah, sorry, and they've just escaped me. And you know, Louisa has shown all year that she's uh, she's a strong rider and so is Roy. But again, if you look at them, they weren't your typical um, I guess, hill climbers, so it meant that the peloton were quite happy to let them get away. I don't think Orica anticipated that Roy would stay away as long as, as she did. And then, yeah, you look at when it came back down to it, you've got Spratty and, and Ruth both who have raced this uh, this course before and won, won the title, so they know exactly what it takes to, to win the national championship and they were patient and, you know, Ruth did the, rode the perfect race in that she followed wheels all day and she was on the right wheel at the end and, you know, when you're away with an Orica rider, you, you have more of a chance, I guess, of, of sticking. So, yeah, look, a lot of other uh, riders, including myself, tried to make a race of it but at the end of the day, you know, it's a matter of finding that right break and, and Spratty and Ruth were able to do that. So, it always comes down to the last couple of laps in our race. So The last two laps definitely were a lot harder than the, the first eight, that's for sure.
1: Were you surprised that... um. Amanda Spratt managed to out sprint Ruth Corset for the win because we've seen in the NRS that Ruth has got a pretty formidable sprint.
2: Yeah, I think um, well, if you look at the actual sprint itself, it's not not a typical um, lead-in for the sprint. And at the same time, when there's only two of you, all it takes, you know, is for you know to look over the wrong shoulder or to catch someone off guard. And I think if you look at um, the footage, that's what well, I can't speak for Ruth, but that seems to be what. What happened, Spratty just got the the edge on her and, you know, once she got that break she wasn't exactly increasing the the gap. She just got the initial gap and was able to hold it. So, yeah, Ruth is obviously um, a very talented rider in that she can sprint and, and take the hills, but at the same time, you know, Spratty just showed that she was stronger on the day, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it helped as well that Ruth had been on the front trying to hold off um, Lauren Kitchen and the other two Orica riders from from joining on. And that probably, you know, sapped her sprint a little bit. But nonetheless, both a very good ride by Orica and Amanda Spratt, and thoroughly deserved the victory, I think. So we'll move on to the men's now. And it uh, it didn't really come down to the final few laps with the men. It was, <laughs> it was all it was all run and done fairly, you know, from quite a fair way out. I mean, and everyone just amazed by Bobridge's strength.
0: Yeah. Look, I th- I talked to a few. Uh a few spectators from Aubrey who went up and uh, and had a look at the event, and I think they sort of put it fairly well. They were saying it wasn't really necessarily a super, like, exciting race just sort of visually with Bobbridge so far out the front, but uh, they were saying is is very intriguing and very interesting just uh, with that break going out and getting quite a big gap and then, you know, Bobbridge just leaving them all just so early. It's, it's yeah, it's daring and it's brave. It's just got Jack Bobbridge written all over it. Uh, and I guess it can go one of two ways. He can hang on and win as he did, or he can just, you know, fall in a heap and, uh, you know, end up not finishing. I made the call. as When I pulled out, <laughs> the conditions seemed pretty brutal, and I just got in. And, yeah, I made the call. I told everyone in their tent, I said, there is no way Jack Bobridge is finishing this race. He's gone way too hard. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, yeah he, makes me, uh, he makes me eat my words. So, look, it was a bloody good ride by Jack. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting race. I think Orica they made a bit of a mistake letting it go probably out that far before they started chasing. And the other thing was it was just a it w- it wasn't ridden very uh, not not necessarily not very smart, but the way it was ridden on the climb back in the peloton really it really worked in Jack Bobridge's favour. So the climbs were often sort of ridden fairly hard with the tailwind, and then the uh, the descent wasn't often that fast. So I think that allowed Jack to sort of really you know, he was on almost like a play, level playing field. There was a lot, a lot of people sort of, yeah, pushing the pace on the down, and there was a few people like Richie Port who really um, threw some really fast climbs down. One in particular, which saw a lot of people unhitched, including myself, um, Caleb, Ewan, and Matt Heyman. A lot of, a lot of riders really got unhitched in that lap, and that was only like lap nine or lap ten. So I think that really, that that lap in particular, really sort of was pretty decisive for Jack Bobbridge because. You know, guys like Matt Heyman, who normally could, uh, you know, he could definitely just, you know, drill that descent, which is not fully a descent. There's a lot of flat in it as well. Like, if you get guys like that really working hard on the descent, you're going to be able to pull time back on someone like Bobridge, who's out there alone. And look, if you just keep the numbers together on the climb and then really work it on on the other section of the course, I think it could have come back. I think it could have still come back. But, look, people just got a bit fried in the heat popped by moves like Richie and In the end, people just, yeah, they were pretty pretty knackered towards the end as well. So, yeah, pretty interesting race, I thought.
1: I mean, it's interesting that you say that climb, that tactics they used of going hard up the climb, it probably eliminated those guys who could help. And um, Though I suppose at that stage, I mean, Richie probably wasn't thinking that Bobridge would be out to the end. He was trying to eliminate and isolate people so Dennis could make the attack later, as he did
0: yeah absolutely. and that was that was also the the thinking. um there was a lot of people who thought, look, Jack's got a, a big lead he'll uh, he'll either blow and he won't be really a factor or you know if he if he if he doesn't blow and he just keeps on going the same pace as the peloton, you know what can you do? he's he's got' he's sort of already had too much of a head start. so yeah, and I guess it wasn't too too far off in the end, like there was it was a few minutes, but things can change pretty quickly on that course. so. Yeah, a really interesting race and brutally hard. Uh, we, we've had last year a bit of a, a headwind on the climb which sort of kept it together a bit more, but this year we had the opposite, strong tailwind on the climb, and, man, it uh, it was hot, and it just made it brutally hard, which you could obviously see by only having 15 finishes. So a really tough day out there. Run quickly through
1: the other events. Um, the men's under-23 um, road race was... A really exciting affair, actually. It came down to a two-up yeah. sprint between Chris Hamilton and Lucas Hamilton. No relation. Chris managed to get about half half a bike length on on Lucas in the sprint, and that that was that was the way
0: the race was won. Um, much much the same as the women, by the sounds. But I think both um, both of the winners there sounded like they got the jump, opened it up well, early, and were rewarded for it. Well, you you'd normally back Chris
1: over Lucas in a
0: sprint. I mean.
1: Lucas can sprint, but he's not. He's not. I mean, he's obviously a really good climber, and it was just um, smart tactics from him um, switching over to the opposite side, the downwind side of the straight, and then diving up the inside after Chris took the took the lead. So that I feel that his his tactics and the way he played it was what got him close to Chris because Chris is you know renowned for having a good sprint on him as well. In also in that race, Chris Harper did a great long range move. Um, LR. Jack Bobbridge and he just got hauled in on the final lap there. He he did a great ride for that. And the Scotsons were very active as well. They did a they did a good job. Oh, the women's under-23 road race. We didn't mention that, but Janelle Cruz she, she got... She got <laughs> Hooray!
2: Yes, yes, Janelle, uh, she's funny. She, uh, you know, she's such a, a talented young rider and um, it was funny after the race. She's like, I sprinted. She's like, I won this in a sprint. I don't sprint, you know. And I think that just comes down to, you know, her backing, her ability. She's obviously a fantastic hill climber, you know. She went over to, to Europe last year and spent a few months there, you know, cleaning up the under 23s which was fantastic and so she's obviously got the climbing legs but to out sprint you know the other girls in a in a bunch kick at the end just shows you know she's uh She's really ballsy and we're, we're rewarded for it. She's a fantastic rider to have on the team. And, you know, maybe she was inspired by Sophie McKay's win in the uh, in the crit that we had just that kicked off uh, our Nationals campaign for Specialized. We were very, very fortunate that Sophie had a, a fantastic ride and, again, displayed how strong she is. Yeah, I think from our team's perspective, we had a great Nationals campaign and, you know, we're going into the NRS season with two jerseys now, which is pretty cool. I'll quickly run
1: through the other results. Um in the men's time trial, it was Rowan Dennis who finally got the jerseys wanted for a very long time but beating out uh, Richie Port, last year's winner, and Sean Lake, who Neil and I talked about, maybe sneaking onto the podium, and he did manage it in the end.
0: Yeah, I think he, he surprised a few people there. Yeah, he, he pulled a really good one out of the bag. Like, he was certainly uh, in the hunt. He, he really flew. Like, he was not too far behind uh, Richie. Yeah, that's got him a spot in the UniSA team for TDU, so hopefully he'll, uh, yeah, he'll be able to continue it on on, and uh, have a good showing there, too. Certainly a
1: guy with a massive motor on him. The women's under-23 TT, um, Emily Roper ended up winning, uh, with Ellen, from Ellen Skerritt, and then Janelle Crooks again. Emily Roper is an interesting story. She only decided to do the Nationals nine days before the TT, and uh, just did some training, and turn, turns up and wins the under-23 TT, so, you know, good on her. Didn't, didn't quite last out the whole road race, but, you know, I think that's forgivable with limited amount of training. The men's under twenty three crits. Um, saw Jesse Kerrison win from Sam Wellsford and Daniel Fitter. And we'll go quickly back to Kate for her report on this on her specialised women racing teammate, um, Sophie Mackay winning the women's crit.
2: Yeah, I think that was the biggest surprise of uh, the entire weekend, to be honest. Um, yeah, Sophie, again, rode a fantastic race. She backed herself. She's worked really hard towards this. You know, we've seen even in the Tour of Bright when she was uh, quite fatigued, she was still able to get up second overall in the sprint to Scandalara. So I think it shows that she's definitely got the legs and previously she's always done well in a a sprinting environment. Um, yeah, she's got incredible work ethic and she's worked hard towards that. and it just goes to show that you, you know, hard work and determination, if you back yourself, who knows what's possible. You know, as she said in her post-race interview, she just hunted them down and she did exactly that. She didn't, you know, she didn't get spooked. She didn't, the race wasn't over until she crossed that line and I think, um, yeah, kudos to her. It was a fantastic ride.
1: Yeah, and Lizzie Williams came in second there and Lauren Kitchen in third and I think I think um, that's, that's a pretty impressive podium for Sophie to be on there.
2: Oh, for sure. And I think it's her second podium ever, so <laughs> she stands on the top step in front of those two. So I think, yeah, it's a huge confidence booster for her and like I said, having a, the jersey within the team gives us all a, that bit of extra grunt, I think, going into the season.
1: Okay. And uh, I think we'll take a, a quick break there and we'll come back with the Santos Women's Tour. Okay, and we're back with the Santos Women's Tour, which is now a 2.2 UCI event. Um, plus, it's also the opening event for the NRS for the season. We're going to have quite a decent lineup um, on the start line with um, Valentina Scandelara coming back to defend her crown uh, with her new Silence team, and you know she's bringing Shelley Olds with her, who's world-renowned sprinter, and the Wiggle High Five team, bringing a lot of good riders like Nettie Edmondson, Chloe Hosking, Peter Mullins, Orica have got their Falcon here and you know a lot of the, a lot of the overseas pros that we don't get to see too often in Australia like Lauren Kitchen, who else Tiffany Cromwell and Miranda Griffiths, you know all turning up for the race. So it must be nice to have such a strong lineup for you know what is an NRS event but also probably the biggest women's event in Australia.
2: Yeah, look I, any, everyone and anyone I've spoken to who is racing, um, all the NRS girls and um, are terribly excited to have such a strong field. You know, to race with the world's best, learn from the world's best, and just give it a real crack. I think it's fantastic for Australian uh, women cycling. You know, and last year we saw Scandalara got up for the win with Orica, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, with her new team this year. But like you said, there's a number of really strong teams there, and you know, with with two crits, anything's possible. Um, I think you've got a lot of smart riders there, so it'll be really interesting. Actually, I'm really looking forward to to being able to, to sit back and watch and see how it all unfolds.
1: Yeah, I see it as one for either an opportunist or a strong team and a strong sprinter who can who can get over those climbs and still take the time bonuses to win the win the race. Is that how you see it playing out, or is it going to be a bit more selective?
2: Um, yeah. Look, I think it it definitely comes down to again a race of attrition. So whoever is able to be to be looked after well, um, like you said, with a strong team that can protect them in the in, in the hills and then they deliver them in a sprint, I think, you know, you're going to be hard pressed to to get over those, I guess, favourites in the sprints. Like, you know, you've got the likes of Kimberly Wells with a full High Five Dream Team behind her and then, yeah, like you said, you've got Kitchen, you've got a full a- Orica AIS group. So then you've also got Nettie Edmondson, a home, homegrown hero, um, as is Cromwell. So, yeah, I, I really, I can't predict who's going to win, unfortunately. I think it'll be exciting, which is, which is great. We've got so many prospects to, to take it out.
1: And uh, have you had a look at the course at all? I mean, it looks like the two, there's two road stages, stages one and three, and they're both on um, circuits, about 20k circuits for the first one and 25 for the second. And they're both over, you know, lumpy terrain, but not by any means insurmountable for for the good riders.
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think it's great that, you know, there are uh, dispersed between them is the, the two shorter stages. And I think, like you said, they're not overly hilly. So I think at the end of the day, those riders that can really punch over it, um, you know, the likes of, say, even Nettie Edmondson, she's a really strong rider you've, and we've seen that. So I think it's probably going to come down to someone, like you said, who's opportunistic, but is also able to be protected. Um, and I think, yeah, I definitely think the crits in stage four will, will have a, a big part to play.
1: Okay, you said you're not going to make a prediction, but we will nail you down to one. Um, Neil Neil and I have a strong tradition of um, not getting any picks right so far to uphold. Oh,
2: fantastic. Well, I'll be all all right then. (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, I think Scandalara's riding really well. I think she's going to go in, obviously, with the confidence of taking it out last year. Um, She's had a really strong ride out here all, all season, well, a few races that we have had. And she's got a new team, so I think she's going to be extra motivated. But in saying that, yeah, if, if my pick with Scandalara is incorrect, I'm, I'm going to pick one of the Orica AIS girls to get up. Um, they proved on the weekend that they were very strong with a lot of cards to play.
1: So you've picked one and then seven others? So That's, <laughs> that's,
2: that's it. 18. There we go. Good on. Yeah. <laughs> right
1: okay, Neil, of course, you're an expert on the women's scene.
0: Um, who do you think? I'm going to go with one of the green edge Girls as well. Can can you just go with one of them? <laughs> Is that pinned down enough? I don't know. Probably not. I'm going to go with Sprat, just uh, aggressive rider. Uh, I reckon um, she's got the the jersey. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to go with it's a bit more of an opportunistic thing. Something uh, the race will get out of control and she'll uh, she'll capitalise and win.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I think. I'll 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 pin down one of the Oracle riders. I'll say Lizzie Williams. I think she's <laughs> been in very good form <laughs> yes. recently, and you know she can she can do a bit of both. She can sprint. She can um, go on the attack, and I think we'll see her do very well. So we'll move on to the two down under now, and. It's not quite the star-studded field from the internationals, but the Australians all top class here. So we've got you know Rowan Dennis, Richie Port, who were the top two last year, and we're also bringing um, a bunch of other ones like Cameron Meyer, who's very strong, Jack Robridge, of course, who is coming off his win at nationals, and we're all looking towards you know what should be a really exciting race. Uh, Neil,
0: how do you? Um, did we mention Garrow?
1: <laughs> I did not mention Garrow. Sorry, I, I
0: was yeah.
1: I was flicking. I was looking through my notes rapidly, trying to find my list
0: of yeah. names. yeah, I think like you say, I think most of the favorites there a uh, they're Australian, but I guess it's probably good to remember that they're uh, those guys are also really big names in the international scene. so it's certainly yeah, it's certainly a very uh, very competitive event um as they pretty much all are now in the world too. It's pretty important every event. I think back in the past, not that I sort of was was there, but I sort of got the understanding that uh, it was just you know that first event of the year, a lot of the euros would sort of come a little bit less prepared, just coming off their winter and using it to sort of get a few legs back. Now I think it's very much people come here absolutely ready to race. It's a it's a really hard event too. It used to be a little bit more flat, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. But I think yeah, the favourites are are those those three Australians, Richie Port, Rowan Dennis, and uh, Simon Garans.
1: Well, there are some internationals, so I'll. List them off: um, Dominico Pozzovivo, obviously a big GC um, tour contender. Ruben Fernandez, who's fifth last year. Um, Luis Minchets, who's around. But I th- I've got the impression that they're. I spoke to a few of the Lamprey guys, and I got the impression that Diego Ulisi is their main guy here. And yeah, he's very good. He's yeah. I mean, he he came very close to winning two years back when he won the stage, won the Stirling stage, which was. You know, a bit of a surprise, because it normally goes to a sprinter, but he's got a good kick on him. So, no, it wouldn't be too surprising at all if he did very well here. Apart from that, you know, you've got big names, and it's a matter well, of... Well, Sky's got
0: um, yeah. Geraint Thomas, Sergio Hanau, so they've got, they've got definitely a few really class riders there as well. Yeah, so
1: there's those big names, and it's just a matter of, you know, what sort of form they're in at the moment. <laughs> and it's often hard to tell. So we'll go briefly through the stages. I mean, you've got the People's Choice Classic, which is essentially a, a criterion. Then you've got the Adelaide to Lindoc stage, which is probably the easiest bar stage six, would you say now?
0: Yeah, I think that, that first stage is is probably the easiest, although it is still, you know, not not a pancake flat. The it finishes on a bit of a circuit which has got a bit of a climb and I I believe they sort of climb out of Adelaide straight away. So that one it it should be uh it should be probably a sprint, you'd expect. Well, yeah, it's
1: the actually the same circuit that they're going to use for the women's third stage. So we'll get a quick preview of it there, and uh, that should give us an idea of how the race is going to play out. Um, mm. Stage two is into Sterling, where they'll be doing five laps of the course this time. Was it uh, three last year, Neil, that they did?
0: Yeah, I think it was three last year, and they did a little bit more uh, beforehand. But this year, they're going over again. They're sort of climbing out of Adelaide, going up one of the fairly difficult uh, climbs. I think they might go up to Krapers, which last year was sort of, you know, it was a a very solid half an hour climb. Um, And there was, yeah, a lot of people sort of, a lot of people dropped just straight out of neutral. Um, So it it goes up there, I believe, again, and then it does five laps of the Sterling. And although it's sort of won by, at times it's won by, well, it's often won in a bit of a sprint. Like, don't be deceived, that is not a sprinters. Circuit at all. It is a really tough circuit. It's it's yeah. It's good for guys who are really strong and then can sort of have a sprint at the end. Like if you, yeah, it, it fully splinters the field. So someone like Jack Bobridge last year, um, we were riding for him and he was in yellow and he was yeah he was just you know trying to not get time gapped and he sort of just sort of hung on like he was you know it was touch and go whether he was losing time and he may have even lost a little bit or he might've just hang on, but it's close. Like even a guy like Bobridge, who's clearly not, he's not really, uh, yeah, he's pretty small. He's very strong on those climbs. Like it is, it's hard. So, I'm uh, doing five laps this year, that'll be, uh, that'll be really interesting. It'll be some sort of a small group, but I really enjoy that stage. I'll be looking to, looking forward to watching.
1: Yeah, it was a really enjoyable final, final kilometer. I find the really enjoyable bit because it, it's a matter of when you time your move for il- on that um, sort of uphill run into the sprint there. And uh, we've got previous winners on the start line in uh, Diego Ulysse and yep. uh, JJ Lobato, who's, who's very much shown that he's one of the kings of the uphill sprint. I mean, it's probably between you know the likes of him and um, John Degenkolb, those sort of guys who can really put down that ex- sustained power on, on those sort of efforts.
0: Yeah, I think Caleb Ewan even could be a guy who uh, could go well on that sort of a circuit as well. Like he's he's shown that he can do the old climb sprint quite well. Yeah, then um, there's the reemergence of Corkscrew Hill again, which is
1: about two point five K's at eight point nine percent, which a leg stinger. Um, you didn't you didn't go over that one last year, Neil, but um it was a it's a tough one and it's one where Cadell Evans won a stage before and I think Grant Thomas won on the time on the occasion before that, so as you can tell, it's it's not one for the sprinters, and very much, very much uh, the sort of stage that lends itself to an opportunistic break. Stage four goes into Victor Harbour, and it's also got a very tough climb at the end. It's called Crowsnest Hill, and it's 3.9 k's at 6%. That comes 20 k's for them finish, and after that, there's going to be a fair bit of wind. So it might be, you know, well, there's the potential for wind, so it might be tough to get back on after that.
0: Yeah, last year, on uh, well not last year, but two years ago when they had this stage in the tour last, the wind was howling. So completely split to pieces and it was a fairly small group going to the line and uh, in the end Greipel, I'm pretty sure, won the sprint. So it's, uh, that, that is, hopefully the wind's up again and we can see a really interesting sort of finale there. But uh, yeah, more of a sprinting stage, that one, but the wind will be sort of everyone will be watching the wind and the weather to see uh, what happens there because that will greatly influence that stage
1: and of course the GC situation at that point as well is going to have a big impact The obviously the big GC stage though is Wollonga Hill when it comes on the second last stage or stage 5 and they go up it twice and you know you've experienced that climb you know, more than me Neil uh, how, how, how hard is it and how, how big a gap can we see riders make up on that sort of it's
0: it's not a super long climb. I think it's only around sort of the 10 minute mark. So it's not. Um, yeah, it makes it pretty interesting. It's a fairly well balanced tour. You can see guys like Gero who are able to be um, quick enough on intermediate time sprint. Yeah, intermediate sprints and on other fast sort of finishes like in Sterling, he can sort of pick up a bit of time and, and get a little bit of a gap. And then uh, it's yeah, it's touch and go, like he's obviously a really good climber too, but so like Richie Port last year to Rowan, like he, he wasn't able to sort of quite get enough time. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Like if you can get any more than about sort of, you know, 10 seconds on the guy in second place, you're doing very well. Yeah, great stage. Um, I'm not sure if that's on Australia Day as it has been in the past, but, yeah, that's sort of the queen stage of the tour, and that's where it's the main moves are going to be going down. And now after
1: that, there's the kind of ceremonial stage around, uh, I mean, it's not ceremonial, but I mean, it's it's not one where massive GC, you know, bandages are made up
0: or, or changed at all. So I think it's going to be
1: one for the sprinters that stage, Neil.
0: Yeah, look, if they've made it through the tour, that will be one for the sprinters. But uh, yeah, it's, um, GC will be done and. Yeah, there'll be a lot of teams who probably haven't got much out of the tour who'd be extremely motivated to try and get something. So, tough little circuit. There's a bit of a climb in it. There aren't actually too many pure sprinters
1: on the thing, on the lineup. so maybe Matteo Pellucci is the closest to a pure sprinter. Do you think he'll be affected by the Montefiore hill?
0: I haven't really seen too much of uh, Pellucci or Pellucci or... Or uh, however you say it, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, there's not a lot of pure sprinters who are on that list, and I think that's just, uh, obviously, a decision from uh, from the teams just having a look at the uh, the nature of the event and how difficult it is. So, yeah, I think guys like Caleb are going to be—he'll always be up there. I reckon. I reckon he's he's come along a fair way since he did the event um, a couple of years ago in Unisa, and I reckon he'll be he'll be probably one of the uh, hard men to beat.
1: We'll move on to. Brief predictions this time. Um, Kate, we've we've been ignoring you. I'm afraid it's just the way, <laughs> the way things work out. Um, let's let's get you for a prediction first. Well.
2: I think Garrens is going to be hard to beat, to be honest. Um, but at the same time, I'm really interested to see how the the UniSA boys go. I think, you know, Pat Lane had an absolutely incredible ride at, um, at nationals and he's obviously showing some some crafty form. So I think um, there's no reason why someone like Pat can't get up, maybe not for the overall win, but I definitely think he's going to give it a, a good nudge. But yeah, my prediction is Garrens.
1: Probably worth um saying that the Hamilton boy, well, Hamilton boys n- not related, obviously. Um, have a chance at the at the white jersey. Both of them, both of them are contenders for that. They're some of the youngest riders in the race. So, I think, and they're both top climbers. So there's no reason why they can um maybe finish up you know fifteenth or something like that and have a good shot at the white jersey.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think you're definitely right
0: there. Yep. Yeah, as Kate said, I think the UniSA guys are going to go fairly well. It'll be. Certainly a big upset if they do pull off a win. But, uh, oh, look, I hate to be boring. I was going to say Garrow as well. But, uh, look, let's go Rowan Dennis. He's done very well on Wollonga Hill. I'm, I think he's going to be very motivated to defend it as well. So, Dennis, throw him out there.
1: Yeah, and I'll go for... Sorry, I'll, I'll go Diego Ulysses. I think he's really got a good kick on him and he can pick up some bonus seconds and be with the best climbers on Wollonga. So I'll put him in there as a sneaky sneaky option. Okay, well, I think that just about wraps it up for, for us today. Um, if you want to get in co- get in contact with us, you can do so via Twitter. Um, tweet us at BreakdownPod, or you can find us on Fa- Facebook, Breakdown Podcast. If you want to ask us a question, you can go via Twitter again and go hashtag AskBreakdown, and we'd be happy to answer your question, um, guys. Um, we haven't gotten any yet, but I'm, I'm sure you guys would be more than happy to give us <laughs> Give us your answers to what's going on in the peloton.
2: For sure. Yep. Questions away. <laughs>
1: yeah, surely there's a couple of questions out there. So fire away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just about wraps it up. If you, if you, if you like what you hear, go to iTunes, give us a rating, and you know, and let people know about us. That's how, that's how people can find us in the future. So it's goodbye from me and goodbye from you guys, I guess. Yeah, catch you later guys. Enjoy Adelaide. And enjoy the T V U. We'll we'll see you around. Okay. Signing off.